Hello everyone and welcome. Today we've got Deborah Callar Solomon, author of Baby Knows Best, Rye Associate and Passion Advocate for Magda Gerber's work. Rye is resources for infant educators and this is an approach that I use in my work with children and it's what inspired the whole organisation of Peaceful Learning. Deborah, I've known for about five or six years now. She was my Rye teacher and mentor when I took Rye Foundations in London. And we've had a supportive, nurturing relationship ever since. So without further ado, please welcome Deborah. So hi Deborah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks great. for inviting me. Yeah, great to see your face again. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell our audience how you got into this space that you're in? I got into the space rather haphazardly. Uh, I gave a, a baby shower for a friend of mine and someone else gave her a book by Magda Gerber called Your Self-Confident Baby. And I thought that's a very intriguing title, Self-Confident Baby. So I went to the bookstore and it was not there. This was pre-Amazon when you actually had to go to a bookstore to buy a book. And as I was walking out of the bookstore thinking, too bad they didn't have that book. The woman who gave my friend the book was walking into the bookstore. And I said, ah, oh, they don't have that Magda Gerber book. And she said, of course I do. So she turned me around, marched me back in and it had just been misshelved. And I've told her since that had I not serendipitously bumped into her, I might not have picked up the book. And Rye was really sort of, you know, kind of underground. Not many people had heard about it then. So I my husband and I took our son to Rye classes. And then when the Rye, when, you know, when the children were two, I thought, oh, I, I really want to continue learning. So I took professional development uh, training at Rye. And then roundabout soon thereafter, I guess, um, where I was looking for an executive director and um, I got that gig and I did that for eight years and also continued teaching. Um, but then I decided I wanted to really return to just teaching because that's what I most love to do. So that's what I've been doing for the last several years because I love, I love teaching parents and caregivers and talking about it like we're going to talk about it. It's just sort of never ending, as Magda would say, you know, about peeling the layers of the onion. You just kind of keep on going deeper and deeper with it. Yes, that's, yeah, um, yeah I feel like I'm at another layer, a, a big one of um, that spirituality of mm. being with children. Um, and it's coincided with my own layer of spirituality being presented to me, presented mm -hmm. to me. Um, and so I've been able to see it with new eyes yet again, mm. and how beautiful it is to, to be with children and the relationship and the connection and really being completely 100% present. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I remember one of my colleagues, her class had finished up and the father said to her, you know, I came into this class, he said, I came into this class thinking that I was going to learn all about babies. And I discovered that, you know, it was very humbling 
and that I really didn't have anything to teach my son. My son was going to be my teacher. Mm-hmm. That when you, you know, that when we're open, um, the children reflect us back to ourselves. And sometimes it's a little, you know, oh, you know, like, oh, I think I need to work on that. Um, kind of give us opportunities to see ourselves and grow in ways that we might not have discovered otherwise. So I think it's a real gift to live and work and be with babies and young children. Mm, They're pure, they're unsullied. (laughs) Yes, and uh, someone I spoke to the other day was, gave me another new perspective that Mm. um, when, when we have children, our children actually choose us mm-hmm. to teach us something mm-hmm. when their soul comes into the into the body um mm-hmm. which was a very uh, out there perception that i previously would think oh that's a load of rubbish um but i uh maybe that's there's some truth to that you know Mm -hmm. Mm. because when we give that time and that space for children to really express themselves um and to just really see who they are that's when for me that's when the learning happens for me is when I really see what they're see what they're communicating yeah and to accept whatever they're communicating right yes I think that's what I've been thinking a lot about uh, recently, because I've heard from so many parents who have been struggling more than perhaps usual because of what's been going on. <clears throat> and, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, the thought is phrased as sort of, what should I do about this problem? You know, I, I need to fix this. Um, and I think when we when we come from a place of accepting however the child is feeling or whatever the child is expressing um, and sort of stay open to that and also observe how we're responding, like I'm f- my buttons are being pushed here or whatever it is. Um, first of all, we're, we're more available to the child. We can be more supportive of the child, but that's the part then that we can, ah, oh, Hmm. there's something for me to figure out about myself. Why are my buttons being pushed right now? Because my buttons are being pushed. I'm not going to be very useful or helpful to this child. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Mm, yeah, I've noticed when I'm, I, this is a new experience for me to, to really be present. So I've always thought that I've been 100% present with children. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out I haven't been because I've been thinking about what comes next, what what I'm planning for the near future with that mm-hmm. child. So you know, I know that they're going to get hungry soon, and then they're going to have a sleep. Oh, I see, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But to be one hundred percent present, mm-hmm. and to also just um, eliminate all my preconceived ideas in my head that have traveled with me from my own childhood um, Mm -hmm. feeling like I need to um, give this child something that I I didn't have for example but just to really really be 100% present 
has has changed it's a game changer and mm. i don't know how to I, like there's no clear instructions on how to get there but i think years and years of of um self-reflection and um therapy definitely helped because you know we bring all our our own preconceived ideas of yeah and traumas as well yep. um so that you know when when my buttons do get pushed there's a it's because of something yep that's happening ghosts, ghosts in the nursery right Selma Graber ghosts in the nursery so something from our childhood is being triggered and to have an awareness right that this isn't you know my child's fault you know this is me getting triggered this is my stuff so you know Magda Gerber would recommend wait and wait a moment which there's a lot of wisdom in that not just waiting sort of to see if the child can manage whatever's going on on their own but also waiting to perhaps discover that this is my old stuff you know I'm being triggered here and um so I'm not going to be able to respond uh, very effectively to the child if I'm in the middle of being triggered. So I better stand here for a few moments and take a few deep breaths before I respond, you know, try to calm myself. Mm. That's so interesting that you have come to this recently. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it interesting to live and work with babies because, and toddlers, because it's just this sort of, for me anyway, this sort of constant evolution of going deeper and deeper, you know? At yeah, first yeah. it's kind of theoretical for me anyway, it was kind of theoretical. Oh, I get this. Oh, I can slow down. I can remember to tell the babies what I'm gonna do before I do it. But then the more you practice, it just, I don't know, something opens up. Absolutely. Which yeah. is what you've been experiencing. Yeah. So if say if any parents who are listening or caregivers who are sleep deprived, they're at their absolute limit. Um yeah. and you know, they're being triggered quite regularly. Do you have any words of advice there? Yeah. Um I, th I think just as if, if, the, if a parent or a caregiver was noticing that a child was very tired or maybe even chronically tired, they would do something to figure it out. Sort of, well, how can I remedy this? What can we, what kind of change in the routine can we manage to support the child so that we can uh, improve things? I think it's really important for the parents to sort of consider themselves too. consider themselves first, because if they're depleted, they're just not going to have enough left to take care of their child. It's really difficult to care for a child as a parent or a caregiver. So, you know, I encourage parents to, you know, definitely get a break. And if, you know, that means asking somebody for help, even if it's, you know, my sister, I remember she has four kids and when they were little, she used to have the teenager from across the street would come to her house for a half an hour every morning so she could go for a run. She, you know, she had whatever you need to do, whether it's a bath where you know 
no child will be permitted to pound on the door because somebody else is minding them, taking care of them, whatever it is. Um, I think self-care is really important. Meditation, you know, maybe it's, you know, what, what works well for one person may not necessarily be what somebody else needs, but, um, you know, some kind of technique, whether it's yoga, meditation, going for a run, talking to a friend, just going for a walk, you know, on your own, but don't, be all self-sacrificing, you know, do things to take care of yourself, yeah. to replenish yourself, I think is essential. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I think, to, you know, so often, not so much now, uh, things have changed a lot since my son, who's now adult, since he was a baby, but, you know, in the old days, the books were just about how to take care of your baby, and now more and more, it's just great to see, it's sort of how can the parent, how can the caregiver take care of themselves, you know, acknowledging the importance of that, because, um, you know, it's, it's necessary, it's part of the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When that is taking good care of a baby or a child, taking care of yourself is taking good care of the child, you know, it's not selfish. No. It's anything but, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're familiar and our listeners are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I talk about this in, in my workshops. We all have that ba- those basic needs. They need to be met. And if they're not met, we cannot function. Yeah. We're in a state of survival. And so yeah. if you as the parent or the caregiver haven't had their basic needs met, how can you function? Yeah. How can Visually. you give to to the child in your care when mm-hmm. you're tired or hungry yeah or not feeling safe mm-hmm. yeah and you know one of Magda Gerber's principles was this idea of having a 100% safe space right for play mm. and you know it's good for the baby, the toddler, for sure. It's, 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 it's helpful for them because they don't have some adult breathing, you know, sort of looking over them, breathing down their neck saying, don't touch that, or that's not a toy or whatever it is. Right. They have freedom in this space, but also then if, if the parent, the caregiver needs a break, even if the child's upset about it, they can say, you know what, I need to go in the other room for another minute. <laughs> no. Um, I need to remove myself. Uh, I think that's important. Absolutely. And sometimes people, you know, the parents get into habits, they don't realize they're getting into habits and then they're sort of realizing that they wanna make a change, sort of something is no longer working. I think that's fairly typical, you know? Um, And I think to sort of stand back and say, you know, if I had my wish, how would I, like my this sort of typical day to go what would it look like and then if you know some gears have to be shifted some a habit has to be changed then to go for it and this is another thing I think that's come up uh, I've heard from a lot of parents who've written to me lately have said well my my baby or my toddler needs this and so to distinguish between want and need you know if a child is in the habit of doing something 
Well, they don't want to change the habit. None of us want to change the habit. It's pretty uncomfortable to change a habit, right? We're sort of kicking and screaming. Oh, I can speak for myself. I am. Um, but so a, a toddler or a baby may protest, but a protest, uh, you know, is not set is not necessarily sort of distress. I need this. So to to make that distinction between wanting something and needing something, because in my observation, sometimes that's when parents are very self-sacrificing. Mm. You know, okay, I'm exhausted. It's the end of the day, but I'll lay in your room for three hours until you go to sleep because you need this. This is the only way you go to sleep. Well. Mm, you want this because this is your habit, right? So I think to, uh, to sort of examine that um, and, and, and sort of see if you can see the difference, I think is important. And by the way, I, I think you've heard this, Lara, but I did every wacky thing in the book. So I don't have any judgment about any of that stuff because, you know, I bounced my son. I did this, I did that, I did the other thing. And guess what, he's fine. But um, I think I erred on the side of being too self-sacrificing, mm. you know? And so now I'm, I'm much more aware of it. I think I have my, my radar up for it. And I mm. wanna help parents, you know, take care of themselves. And, and how, where's the line between what a child is needing and wanting? Because I've seen, time and time again a child at night needing that well for me I think it's needing that connection and to refuel that love cup before they before they mm -hmm. go to sleep mm -hmm. so when does that become a want rather than a need I think sometimes it's hard to distinguish mm. and I think I think sometimes it's helpful for to be reminded that most babies, most, you know, not a newborn, I'm not talking about a super young baby, but babies and toddlers are competent. You know, they can learn to go to sleep on their own, but they won't learn until they have time to practice. And so they won't be practicing if somebody is staying with them until they fall asleep. And again, no judgment there for people who parents, caregivers who do that, no judgment at all. But just saying that if the adult gets to the point where they no longer want to do that, to hold on to the fact that the child can learn how to do this, right? They can learn how to do this. They're, they're competent. Um, and they will discover that they can do this. So how important it is for the child to discover, wow. You know, um, I'm capable of this. So I think uh, I remember distinctly years ago, there was a toddler in my class and uh, I could always tell that he was tired. He would come to class with circles under his eyes. And, you know, the parents had been helping out a lot for him to go to sleep and he always seemed tired. He wasn't getting enough sleep from my, in my mind. And they really, they, the parents just decided, you know what, we're going to, we're going to work on this. And I really commend them. They did a 180 degree turn and he was like a different child, you know, his play was different. 
you know, because prior to that, it was really sort of lacking in energy and lacking in focus. And, uh, you know, sleep is always the first thing I ask about if anybody contacts me about, you know, if they're having some challenge with a certain behavior or some kind of, some kind of struggle. That's always the first question I ask. So tell me about the sleep, you know, how much and when, when does your child go to sleep, etc. And I'm, I'm not at all dogmatic, but I'm pretty strict about sleep, <laughs> you know, that's pretty much the only thing that I am. Not rigid, but you know what I mean? Mm. It's, a, it's a basic need. It needs to absolutely happen. Yeah. Mm. So how how can you create that space and create those boundaries with a child? I mean, for them to practice going to sleep on their practice own. Practice going so, to sleep. Yeah. You know, I think if it was very straightforward and if it was one size fits all, then there would be one book and we would all follow it and it would just go swimmingly and everybody would sleep well. And, but every family is different, every baby is different, you know. Uh, the answer to so many questions is it depends right as Polly Elam said to me so there's not a simple answer but I think one answer is practice doing less whatever the less is so that the child can practice doing more right mm. and um so when parents say but I, I don't think she can do that and I think but she hasn't had the opportunity yet to practice, you know, and she won't the first night. There will be a lot of upset, um, you know, because this is a new habit that you're, or you're not following the old habit, put it that way, and you're trying to establish something new. So whenever we're trying to work on a new habit, we all feel a level of discomfort, right? Mm. Um, and that's to be expected, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't persevere, that, which is not to say that, so we let the baby cry it out. I think the child has to be reassured that we leave, but we always come back. We leave, but we always come back. But in my experience, the parents have been pleasantly surprised at how capable their child is sort of they hadn't imagined that it was possible and I think it, it's kind of easy that it it happens quite easily because in the early stages maybe the baby falls asleep on the bottle or the breast and then before they know it this is sort of habit and um and then maybe they want to make a change you know yeah, yeah. amazing well, thank you thank you for sharing you're very welcome. <laughs> if people want to find out more, if they want to contact you, how how, do, how can they do that? Um, they can do that by uh, either at my website, DeborahCarlisleSolomon.com, or by my email. Uh, I send out weekly parent guidance emails, mm. and uh, so they can, you know, they can either email me or just use the contact form on my website to get on my email list and then they'll get a weekly parenting email perfect yeah thank you so much thank you thanks for inviting me
Good to see you again.